0: today's class uh, is on faithfulness, like decision-making is actually primarily about faithfulness, all right? So uh, we've mentioned this already before but today's theme is faithfulness in decision-making as we seek guidance from the Lord and to do his will. So I'm going to just read a text and then I'm going to pray and then we'll start and hopefully I'll try and finish us a little bit earlier than last week, because I'm preaching as well today, so I need to get, get up there and get prepared. So this is from Romans. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So, Father, as we come to you this morning, through your Son and by your Spirit, I do pray that you would uh, guide us um, by your Word, uh, in all wisdom and understanding, that we might grow in maturity uh, in how to actually think biblically and make wise uh, biblical decisions and live lives for the glory of God. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So so every decision that we make has a particular measure of success in mind. Um, And we've got to think, what are we trying to accomplish? Um, But what does that mean for the Christian in decision making? That's what we're gonna be talking about today. In short, and this is the strap line, if you like, if you take away this one thing, then you've got the class. We make decisions with the aim of being faithful. And that has massive ramifications on why and how we make decisions. The Christian makes decisions with the aim of being faithful. So what we're going to do today is see where the idea of faithfulness emerges from Scripture and then we'll look at the freedoms and the responsibility that faithfulness brings to our decision making. So there are great freedoms The the motivation of faithfulness in decision-making brings, but there are some responsibilities that it brings as well. So think of faithfulness first, according to the Bible, and think this. When we're thinking of faithfulness, God cares way more about who you are than what you do. Primarily, who you are than what you do. Now obviously, He cares about what you do, but who you are will dictate what you do, okay? What's God's great aim for the universe? Sunday school answer is? To glorify, himself. to glorify himself, to show off his glory, okay? And God made you and me, and he redeemed you and me, if you're Christian here today, to show off his glory, particularly the glory of his grace in saving sinners, okay? Now... Here is the, if you like, paradox of the Christian life. He shows off his work, his glorious work, through your work, okay? He shows off his glorious work through your work. So, on your handout, you have that great text. I think I've spoken to so many people about this text in the last few months, Uh, Philippians 2. 12 and 13, is it there in your handout? Should be, yes? Yep. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's our work. Work out your own salvation. And then it goes on to say, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you could sum that up by saying God works in the sphere of the Christian's effort or the Christian's work, okay? Who ultimately gets the credit for the work in the Christian life? God, right? But that doesn't mean to say that you're not actually exerting effort. The one who sent his son to free you from the bonds of sin, the one who aids you by his spirit and guides you by his word, it's ultimately his work that we see as you become more holy, as I become more holy, as as we become ultimately more like Jesus, right? That's a supernatural work. You don't just become like Jesus, from your own effort. It's a supernatural work that's happened to you and then he's doing it in you and he's changing your your will and your desires and you are actually acting as you, but you're a new you, a new creation. Therefore, he gets the credit. He's the one that gets the glory. As people see Christ being formed in you, you're even pointing to Christ himself. So God shows off who he is then in your work, and he, he does it by the substance of your work and the manner of your work. That should be, again, on the handout. There. The substance, it means everything you do as a Christian has value. It has value because of what it accomplishes, and it has value because your decision to do it says something about God. Um, you accomplish work that you are told to do, okay, as a, as a worker in the workplace, as a student, uh, as, as, as whatever, And that is good, we are called to work. Work is a good thing, work is there from creation, God is a working God, and Adam was called to work and keep the garden. But there's also, so that's the substance of, of, of your work. Work is good, and work points to God as we work for the glory of God. But there's also the manner in which you accomplish it, and this is key for the Christian. Okay, you work hard, because you see yourself ultimately working for Jesus, not your boss. You treat others um, out of a self-giving love rather than self-serving obligation. This is huge for, for us as Christians. In whatever we're doing, we do all to the glory of God, and so that in the manner of our work, we just look different. We just look different in the workplace. We're not all about ourselves. We're not We're not gossiping about the boss behind the boss's back, like maybe others are in the the workplace, yeah? We're not just concerned with our work, we might be concerned about helping other people as well in the the office place, and we're doing that to display the new life that Jesus is building in us, in that other-centeredness, in that humility. Your work is showing off his work. So for the Christian then, character is king, okay? So God shows off his glory in us through the substance of our work and the manner of our work. Now we're gonna look at a parable here. Uh, The parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Is it printed out on your sheet? It should be, yes, that's good. We're not gonna spend time reading it all, but I'm gonna summarize it before he goes on a long journey. A master entrusts money of different amounts to three different servants. The first to put the money to work and make more money, um, the third buries the m- the money there's a bit of a mistake I think in here the third guy buries the money all three give what they have to the master at the end of the parable the first two servants are rewarded for what they do but when the third servant comes up Jesus gives the story a twist okay What did the unfaithful servant do that was wicked and lazy or lazy and wicked? He hid the money in the ground, right? Why was this wrong? Well, he neglected his responsibility to be faithful with what the master had given him. Secondly, he thought the master, he thought of the master wrongly. He thought he was a hard taskmaster. And what is the consequence? He's thrown into outer darkness, into hell. Okay? The faithful servants trusted that the master would return as he said, and so they risked absolutely everything on his promise. They didn't hold anything back, but the unfaithful servant decides to play it safe because of what he thought about the master. He thought the master might not be return as promised, or that if he did, any faithfulness wouldn't be rewarded because he's a hard taskmaster. So he hedges his bet and reduces his risk by burying the talent and doing other things with his time. The fact is this, God is not a hard taskmaster. He's amazingly lavishly gracious to us, and he is trustworthy to the utmost. And so what is more than is good stewardship with what he gives us, that is faithfulness advertises that he is good, that he is gracious. Bad stewardship says God is not good. He is not gracious. He's a hard taskmaster, you see. And since he is the source and sum of all that is good, defamation of his goodness is the essence of all evil. So you see the creation account, and it is good, it is good, it is good, and the serpent comes and says, actually, it's not good. It's not good. So this parable isn't about being good or mediocre Christians, as if those existed, it's about the difference between heaven and hell. And what is the good servant called by his master? Well done, good and faithful servant. So in the Bible then, as we're looking at this idea of biblical faithfulness, it means, and here's here's a good definition, stewarding all that God has given us to show off his goodness. Stewarding our time, money, skills, our relationships, and we use all of that for his purposes, to show that we believe his purposes are good. That is the life of faith. So then, when you're thinking about these decisions that you've made during the week, has that been then a faithful stewarding of what has give, God has given you to, sh- to glorify him and show him as being supremely good? That's the goal in your decision making. Every decision you make has that potential then to say something true or false about who God is. Okay, just to talk about this idea of faithful, uh, focused decision-making, it means uh, three things, focus, goal, and extent. Okay, it means making every Decision focus with our eyes focus squarely on the last day Hebrews 4 13 and no creature is hidden from his sight But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So for the Christian Okay, there's no need to need to fear that day We want to say come Lord Jesus because he comes to us not in judgment, but in grace But it is a sober day nevertheless So we make our decisions, setting our minds on things above, not on earthly things. So in your decision making, those little decisions you make in the week that all build up, do you have in mind the final day of Christ when he returns? An eye on what that means, that we will have proven ourselves good and faithful servants. So focus is key. Goal. Is key in faithfulness of decision making. It means that the goal of every decision is God's glory. You know, you know the text. So whether you eat or drink or make food for your husband, right? Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Thankfulness to God for your marriage. Thankfulness to God for the food that He's put in front of you. Thankfulness to God that you can serve your husband in this way and thereby show yourself to be a, uh, a, a, an Ephesians 5 wife, which therefore puts on display a picture of the gospel. That's just one example, just there, of keying off of what Amanda said. Okay, do all to the glory of God, a life spent well, a faithful life, a life focused on displaying the excellence of who God is, even above, at times, family and, and friends. I, I'll repeat it, it's just because it's a great line, just being in Africa recently and amongst the missionaries out there and the, you know, the American, this American family that have been there 30, over 30 years and they've been in uh, Zambia spending their life for the glory of God in spreading the gospel amongst the uh, unreached. And um, they are married about long as us, maybe 33 years, 32 years, and they have seven children, five are in the US, they're back in the US, and um, this, the guy, Phil, his wife, often you know, she grieves because of the children being there, and, and they're, by God's grace, all believers, and he says to her, he says, we have eternity to spend with our children, we have moments here on earth to spend it for the glory of God. That, that's, that's faithful decision-making, with a focus on Christ's return, brevity of this life, where it's all going, and the goal that every decision you make is for the glory of God, even above some good things. That can be, at times, family and and, and friends and goods and kindred. And the third thing in faithful, uh, focused decision-making is the extent. Thinking about how all of me, all of me can be used in this regard, regardless of what results God chooses to bring from my efforts. See, the world is all about results in your decision making. Outcome is key. God is about faithfulness. I want to put all of myself at his service. Romans 12, present your bodies, everything, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. All of you, That is all of our bodies. That is our purity with our bodies, physically. All of me. The world says your value is mainly in what you do. God says your value is mainly in what your life shows about what he's done and what you've become. And that means that sometimes what is of immense value to the world uh, isn't of value to, to God and what's of immense value to God doesn't register in the world's eyes. Um, Who's heard of Elizabeth Elliot? Yep, Elizabeth Elliot, yes, good. Good, good, godly woman, great writer, and her husband, Jim Elliot. You know the story of how he went with another group of men to an unreached people, the Orca Indians, and how they literally, sum it up very quickly, got killed as soon as they got off the. The plane. He didn't achieve much, did he, really, in worldly terms. I mean, was that a good decision to go? Was that a good decision to go? It was a great decision to go. He was faithful in going. He went to take the gospel to the unreached. The result, after his death, so many are saved. So many are saved. And even if they weren't, he was still faithful in the decision he made. Therefore, it was a good decision. We spent how many years, I don't know, in Canmore. For a few of those years, some of you have been here. Boys, we've got so many new people. There's only probably Mavis, John, you, that will remember. So we lived in Canmore for 10 years before we actually moved into the city here. And I was a pastor here. But at the time, we were still living in, in Canmore. I wasn't wanting to be a church planter or anything but i thought well we'll be faithful and we'll we'll do some kind of preaching thing on a sunday night and see if the lord would start a church there and it was so we'd come in here on a sunday morning then we'd race back out to canmore we'd clear the clear the chairs in our living room and and we started to get a few people would would come in canmore and i put on the service and they played the guitar and um and a few folks from Calvary Grace would come and support. And, um, and we went on for, I don't know, two or three years until it came to the point where, you know, people would come and people would go. There would be sometimes uh, 15, 20 people. And then another time I'd have prepared a message and I'd preach to Amanda and Ava. And uh, it, it went on and to this point where I said to my fellow elders, I think, we need to send a core group out from Calvary Grace if this is going to work that could bed into the community as an evangelistic church planting effort. And at the time, um, spoke to one or two families in the church who were interested, but it just wasn't the right timing for them. So we closed down the work. Now, was that a waste? Because a church wasn't planted, right? A church wasn't planted? I'm a failed church planter. (laughs) That's what you got in front of you. Um, Was that a... A bad decision to do that was that a failure i think not people heard the gospel okay uh, some work was done and in the in the economy of god who knows in another five years maybe some of you will go out to canmore in a church planting effort and a church a biblical church will be planted to the glory of god so this is what we're talking about in faithful decision making you know focus On Christ and his coming and what really matters goal every decision to the glory of God extent how can all of me wherever I am in whatever circumstances for that period of time can I be used for that regard the next thing to to look at is faithfulness brings freedom it brings freedom okay so again we might be thinking of outcome focused decision-making if your goal is Uh, for making decisions is is to secure a particular outcome, invest in the stock market to secure your retirement, for instance, take a a job to secure wealth and happiness and so forth, and that doesn't happen, you're gonna be really disappointed, right? Contrast with faithfulness-focused decision-making, you preach in Canmore for three years, and the church doesn't happen, there is a certain grief in that, but you're not, you're not floored by it. So you invest in the stock market to be faithful with the money God's giving you, but trust in him entirely for your retirement. That's a faithful decision in the way that you're investing in the stock market. You take a job to be faithful to God's command to work, and to work to the glory of God and with the character of Christ, but you, you trust his providence for whatever your job may be. In outcome-focused decision-making, we trust ourselves for the outcome. In faithfulness-focused decision-making, we trust God for the outcome. If you make wise decisions with your money and something completely unexpected occurs and you lose everything, the world says you're a failure. But from the faithfulness perspective, your decision was faithful, even if it didn't work out as you planned. In outcome-focused decision-making, We get the credit for good results. Look at me, look how clever I was with that investment or that purchase. In faithfulness-focused decision-making, God gets the credit. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Who has given given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Has anyone here got something that wasn't given to them by God? Like your life, salvation. Everything you have is from him. So stewarding it faithfully God gets the credit. In outcome-focused decision-making, success is something we can always see. Does the outcome happen the way we wanted it? Or the way the world thinks? In faithfulness-focused decision-making, things are a little bit more murky. We won't maybe actually be able to see what success was until we get to heaven. Although we can be confident that being faithful to God we're being obedient to his commands. We might not be able to see it all in this life, What about when Glenn, our our lovely Glenn, gets to heaven? He witnesses to everyone. On the streets, on the bus, on the train. You know, you get the emails. Man on a train. It's like the headline. It gives you brief details. Pray pray for me. Pray for me. And then you'll get an email back. Told him the gospel. He walked away. Told told him the gospel. He argued back. Told the gospel. She wasn't interested. I tell you what, Glenn and us, we might, we might not see the results of that until that last day. And there's a whole train of people <laughs> behind Glenn that he led to the Lord in some way that was used. So you don't always see it until maybe that last day. It's about faithfulness. And so then, with those definitions laid out, look how the concept of faithfulness brings us great freedom in decision-making, doesn't it? Uh, there's some... Fr- uh, aspects of freedom in your handout. Freedom from perfectionism. Some of us struggle with paralysis in decision making because we're perfectionists. Can't even decorate your bedroom because it has to be perfect. Or you agonize about your decisions of where to go to school or what house to buy because my whole life depends on this one decision. You're terrified to get married because you might be marrying Mr. Wrong. Your decisions matter, they do matter, and they matter hugely, but here's the key. You, you don't trust your um, husband-picking prowess when you get married. You trust God. You don't know actually what the marriage holds for you, but God does, and he gives you his will in his word and the shape for your marriage that you should take, and he promises that whatever comes from his hand will be for your ultimate lasting good and for his glory, and you trust him. So stop thinking that your primary goal in making decisions is to secure a certain outcome, like even a happy marriage, right? Or a perfect looking home decorating scheme. God doesn't guarantee any of that, no matter how well you follow some of the process for good decision making. You make a a decision, a good decision in order to be faithful with the opportunities God has given you, Wisely according to his word, as we've discussed, what's revealed in his word, taking counsel from others. And if the outcome isn't quite what you'd hope for, you work by faith to trust that his plan is always best. That's how people can persevere in a difficult marriage, to the glory of God. And it is him that's held them together. And it's him that has changed them. And it's him that has made them last when they're 50 years on in marriage. So it gives you a freedom from perfectionism. It also gives you a freedom from regret. Okay? Freedom from regret. Having made a decision, some of us spend our lives looking over our shoulder, don't we, regretting. Oh, if only. If only I'd done that. Oh, that was a, seemed to be a wrong decision. If only I'd done this. Sometimes that regret is driven by the fear of others' opinions. You know, people won't admire me Uh, because of that decision I made, and, uh, but sometimes it's driven by reality. It was a bad decision, okay? You did overpay for that house, or you you picked the wrong roommate, or you you picked a terrible vacation house, or made a bad investment. What's your response when that happens, though? Are you gonna savage yourself and beat yourself up over the decision? You know, whipping yourself all the time. No, you realise? God could have kept you from making that decision, okay? That's most certainly in his power. Um, Is it that you weren't quite faithful in the process uh, that led to that decision? And so you examine yourself there. And if that's so, there's a sorrow that you return to the Lord and you know that he has the ability to direct you back on track and use that decision that you made that wasn't successful, even if it was a bad decision, which. came because you weren't particularly faithful he can use that for your good he's always doing you good romans 8:28 he will use all things even your bad decisions for your good so it gives you freedom freedom from perfectionism freedom from regret and it gives you freedom from pride focused on faithfulness in your decision making. Gives a freedom for pride. Because what happens when your decisions do work out as planned? It's all about, oh God, not me. And how foolish we seem to God, you know? As I said, what do you have that you didn't receive? If he blesses through your decision, praise him. Any wisdom you had was a gift from heaven anyway. And then I just wanna finally say this, Faithfulness brings responsibility. It brings freedom, but it re- brings responsibility, okay? All the talk about freedom from anxiety and worry is exactly what many of us need to hear, okay? I think, talking to a lot of people in our congregation. But some people hear that, and they, it pushes them dangerously close to irresponsibility. Oh, so what you're saying is, um, Make a decision, don't give it another thought, by which you mean make a half-hearted attempt to think through an issue and then you party on, man. And that's where you need to remember that the call to faithfulness is a high calling. There's a time when we will come before the Lord to give an account for our lives and even every word spoken, right? Just as the servants did in the parable. It's clear that that day should consume our attention and therefore being faithful and responsible to be faithful is a high calling. There's nothing, as it were, more important in your life as a Christian than being counted as a faithful steward in God's house. That's not light. God works in us, and God gets the glory, so his power is shown even in our weakness. And so we seek to be faithful in this life as best as we can, and when we fail, we repent and we press on seeking to be faithful so in that session really you should feel a certain weight of responsibility but a certain lightness in your spirit too certain lightness in your spirit it's all about what is your angle behind the decisions that you make father in heaven we do thank you for your kindness to us in uh saving us and bringing us to christ and even as we think uh, in the service to come about coming to Christ and all that that means. We thank you that you've uh, given us the mind of Christ, even through the Spirit of Christ, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can study it together, and I do pray that we would grow in this wisdom of good faithfulness-based decision-making to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.